Praise God. Wow. Now, Pastor, if I was living in New Zealand, this would be my church. I'd come here. I'd come and worship here and tithe here and grow in this place. You people are absolutely amazing. Uh, the energy in this place, the synergy, fantastic. Every time I come here, I get charged up. I just charge my batteries. I do, sincerely. I really do. And I want to thank Pastor uh, Connell and his lovely wife, uh, Joy, for the joy of being here again. It's just such a privilege. We had a wedding. My nephew got married yesterday. We did a wedding together with Pastor David. It was wonderful. And uh, the joy of just being here for a few more days before flying back to Australia. And so they allowed me to come to this great church. And such a privilege to see all of you wonderful people. So many new faces and such a great joy. You know, you have really blessed the, the, nation, uh, the nation of Australia. You know, you send over there the, the Phil Pringles and uh, the Brian Houstons. Amen. They've come and blessed the great nation of Australia. Also, you gave me a beautiful wife, my wife Marcella, that I met her in Tawa in Wellington. I was supposed to go and preach in that church. And uh, I did preach in that church, met this lovely lady who was a youth pastor, fell in love, took seven years to see the light, of course, and then we got married, brought to the promised land, brought to Australia, and, uh, yeah, well, praise you, thank you, Jesus. I see a lot of you guys on Bondi Beach, never you mind about that. <laughs> but anyway, so we just thank God, and the, you have blessed the world with wonderful, powerful men and women of God. I mean that. You have a prophetic touch over you, an anointing which a lot of places know little of. And I thank God for the privilege of being here again in this day. Amen. Praise God. You know, my friends, we're now approaching. We're in a brand new year. And it's a brand new day. And only a two degrees difference in your thinking, only a two degrees difference how you plan your life can make a great difference by the end of this year. Now, two degrees is nothing much. What, two degrees is probably something of an angle like that. Maybe a millimeter, which is absolutely zero. From here to the back side of this wall is maybe already five meters. To the other side of the building could be already maybe, I don't know, 15 meters. You keep on going, it grows into kilometers. Just a two degree shift in what you and I do can completely change our lives in 2009. For example, this Sunday, we're now entering the fifth week of the month. Now, for those who have a prayer life, that'll be fine. For those that do struggle a little bit in their prayer life, then you can use this. Or you've got a prayer life, you can add this to your prayer life. Being the fifth week of the month, of the year, should I say now, you can maybe now start praying five minutes a day. You might say, you've got to be kidding. Five minutes a day? My father takes five minutes to pray for the food. He prays for all the missionaries. He does. He's amazing, my dad. Love my dad. You know, you, you say five minutes a day, five minutes a day. Now, if you've got a prayer life, add five minutes to your prayer life. That's fine. Next week, being the sixth week of the month, of the year, should I say, sorry, pray six minutes a day. Nothing much at all. If you keep that up, identity, you're praying nearly one hour a day. You won't even notice it. Now, if you read two chapters of the Old Testament and one chapter of the New Testament, you read the whole Bible in one year. Now, the Bible says that reads Proverbs gains wisdom and understanding. Today's the first of February. Maybe read the first chapter in the book of Proverbs. There's 31 chapters, 31 days per month or 30 days give and take. Read the chapter of that day. And he that reads Proverbs gains wisdom and understanding. Just a small shift 
in our thinking. Just a two-degree shift can alter your life totally by the end of this year. And I'm going to be sharing something this morning that, um, that has really been impressed upon my heart for the last month or so to bring to this wonderful church. And I'm going to share also something that took place last year that blew, blew my world apart in a good sort of a way, that is. We live in a day and age, we live, we're living so close to the return of Jesus Christ. His return is much closer than what you think. And I'll begin to show you just a couple of things that took place last year that I was really quite baffled. So we live in exciting times. Amen. You know, I, I, I have a brother-in-law. He's, he's Irish. He's a good man. He's about, I don't know, six and a half feet tall. He could be a play forward for the All Blacks. And he said to me, I'm vertically challenged. Well, maybe he's right. I don't know if you remember this, but I was here a couple of years ago, and I remember saying that, you know, when I used to travel overseas and minister, I had this real complex being so short. That's why I like these, these pulpits. You can see right through them, so it's all right. But I had this real complex being so short. I remember sharing this last time I was here. And I went to Sicily to, to the Mafia land. Now, see, Pastor David and myself, we're, we're from La Familia. I mean, I was driving this four-wheel drive, and in the back of the four-wheel drive, he had a, he had a, he had a, a rifle. He tells me he goes hunting. He goes hunting. Amen. I, I carry the Bible. Oh, anyway, so I, I remember I was ministering in, in Sicily, learning my Italian and uh, to minister among Italian people. And I remember saying, I met a pastor shorter than myself. Now, that is unusual. So he's about this tall. See, mom's about that tall and dad's about this tall. And my baby brother's up here somewhere. He ain't more like Zanoraye. That's the reason why he's taller than me. And I remember, saying, I remember saying, why are we so short? You know, we're always looking up at people. We always do. And sometimes we say, look, listen, you've got to take your hanky out because I see something on this side that others cannot see. You need to use your hanky to clean your anyway. You'd be surprised what we see from down here. And I said to him, why did God make us so short, Pastor? And he remember saying to me, you probably remember, they said, the reason why we are so short, because the hand of God is upon our very lives. Amen. Maybe it's a little bit. You know, I guess if you're tall, God is just lifting you up. But I found this scripture in Matthew that really encouraged me. In Matthew chapter 28, where the Lord said, Lo, I am with you to the ends of the earth. And that's been a real encouragement. Amen. God just guiding us and, and leading us. You know, we had Father's Day just, just a while ago, of course, last year. And we had this thing in our church where, and I thought it was kind of cute, where the kids would write how their fathers get to work and who they work for. And some dad, some so dad gets to work by car and he works for IBM or dad goes to work by train and works for that company, that organization. And he had to guess who the child was. And my daughter put, daddy goes to work by plane and he works for God. That wasn't too bad from a nine-year-old child. But you know, we just thank God for the joy of serving him. And I remember just a while ago, we have what we call water restrictions in Australia. And they probably noticed there's like 40 degrees which is, well, I'll tell you, it's pretty warm in this place. So anyway, 40 degrees back in Sydney, we've been getting and so on. And they have now what they call water restrictions. And they come to your place to waterboard and they change your tap flow of the water and the shower heads have been changed to, you know, to reduce some of that usage. And this man came over my place and he, he was changing the, the, the flow of water and the, and the shower heads. And it was all done for free by the, by, by, by the waterboard. And he said to me, does your wife have long hair. I said, she does. He goes, well, listen, you need to get this other shower head and it's turbocharged. I said, what are, you, what are you talking about? Well, because when, when they shampoo their hair, it's hard to rinse all the shampoo conditioner out, but the shower head, this one, pulsates. 
and it massages your, your back, and it's really, really good. I mean, it's only $49.95. So, okay. And, and, and it's really good, and your wife will appreciate it. I said, what do you, he said, you know how the story goes, don't you? So what do you mean? Well, it, it's, it's ha- happy wife, happy life. You know what the lady said? And so I got the shower head. I got two of them just in case. Amen. Praise God. But praise God. So we just thank God. We, we're back here again. And, and my wife wanted to come this morning, but we got home 2.45 this morning. And what happened there was we had to drop some people off and family and friends from different parts of the world have arrived. And, and so she sends her love to you. I've got two gorgeous girls. Gabriella is nine. Chantel, she is four. They're pretty like their mama. My wife's a beautiful Latin American lady. And I'm deeply blessed that I married her, met her in New Zealand, married her. And I thank God for you guys. Amen. Let's go this morning to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 4. Gospel of Mark, chapter 4. Oh, before I do start, I bought some of these DVDs, Heaven's Gates. There's a table back there, and they're only $25 each. They want us this year to go to Port Moresby, to Papua New Guinea. We're going to go there for free and cover our expenses to go there. And so by getting one of these, it'll help us to get that mission trip happening and bring our gear across. At times of freight, it can be up to $1,000, but that's okay. We do it for God's glory. It's a great tool to give to somebody that is a new believer or someone who's not a believer that has a seven-day Bible study, Bible study, what it means to follow Christ. It's a fantastic. This is the new one with the multimedia inside it. We were past the Tuckbanas church just a while ago that over 749 salvations and, uh, at, uh, in Auckland. This lady came and said, Pastor Maurice, she said, I came on Monday night and I was riddled with cancer. And as I came forth to give my heart to Jesus, I felt this warm sensation come over my body, and I've been completely healed. And through my testimony, the whole family has come to Jesus Christ. Amen. Praise God. We were back then, just, just a couple of weeks ago, we were ministering in Wellington. This man came to me, look, Pastor Maurice, I came to Heaven's Gates four years ago at Paraparuma at the Meadows Church, at the New Life Church. And I came and gave my heart to Jesus. He said, a very, he said, I had a very serious mental disorder, and I was under heavy medication. But the Lord healed my sickness. The doctor said, I don't need to take the medication any longer. And now we have three beautiful children because I'm off my medication. I'm totally healed and restored by the power of God. Amen. I remember we just got back from um, the Solomon Islands, and there was over 420 salvations. It was fantastic. And this man came up and said, Pastor Maurice, he said to me, I've been a, a Hindu for the last 34 years. And I worship, he says, 62 different gods. Well, he used to. He said, and, and I was dying of a sickness, and none of my gods could help me. He, he said, for each one of my gods, there's a priest that I pay between 50 to $100 each time to come to my place to do a religious ceremony for my gods. And he said, no one could help me. But, but I came to Jesus Christ. In one whole day, he said, he saved my soul and healed my sick body. What my 62 gods could not do in 34 years, Christ did in one day. Amen? Power of God. So we thank God what God has been doing, changing lives, setting the captives free. There was one story that I shared yesterday. We were in a place called Tim's, um, Pastor Ross um, Bethel, doing Heaven's Gates there. And this man came, you might remember the scene 
It's called the teenager's crash scene, where they crash in the train and, and they die. This man came forward many people, 47, and he gave his heart to the Lord. The counselor said to him, what touched you tonight? He said, the teenager's crash scene. He said, why is that? He said, 20 years ago, we were driving a car, and there were four of us in that car. And we had a, this, this crash, and all my three friends, he said, died. And they were believers. He said, I didn't know why I survived and why my life was not taken. And after 27 years, I realized I wasn't ready to meet my maker. And tonight, I made peace with God and gave my heart to Jesus Christ. Amen. So we thank God for the power of his word and what God has been doing. And we pray that one day, now with these jewel screens you have here, bring it to heaven's gates in this place with a new way, like it's done in Titty Jake's church and, and, um, and, and Pastor Jensen Franklin, and also do it here too. Amen. And believe God for the salvation of many souls. Amen. All righty. Let's go to the gospel of Mark this morning. I want to move on because time is moving. And I just want to bring something this morning. I believe it's going to stir you and challenge you. Praise God. Gospel of Mark, chapter 4, verse 36. Story well known. Let's start from verse 35. Gospel of Mark, chapter 4, verse 35. Reads like this. On the same day when evening had come, he said to them, this is Jesus, Let's cross over the other side. When they had left the multitudes and they took along the boats as it was, and other little boats were also with him. Verse 37. And a great windstorm arose and waves beat into the boat. So it was already filling. 38. But he was stern asleep on a pillow. And they woke him up and said to him, Teacher, don't, don't you care? They were perishing. Then he rose up and rebuked the wind, said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. But he said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said, Who is this, this one that even the winds and the sea obey him? Let's pray. Father, we come before you now, Father, in Jesus' name. And I thank you for this great church. I thank you for this great lighthouse. I thank you for these wonderful people. And I pray, speak to us in a powerful way. I also pray, catapult this work in Lord to another level and grant their hearts desires as a great lighthouse, not just in the city, but also in this nation and beyond, even this world. Father, thank you for thy servant. Thank you, Lord, for thy people. Thank you for this great, powerful testimony of this church. We pray, speak to us, change us. In Jesus' name we pray. And the people said, When God speaks, things happen. He said to the disciples, Men, let's get into the boat and let's go across the other side. We're traveling across to the other side. There's something to be done at the other side. And as you know well, they got in their boat. And just a, a couple of verses later, it says, And a great windstorm arose and was beating 
against the boat. I find it quite amazing that the Lord sends His command. He sends His word. He sends His authority. And it says, immediately, opposition came. A windstorm. Beating against, resisting the boat from traveling at its destination. Not losing their course upon the sea of life. And it says that the disciples began to panic. And, and, and they're trying to get the water out of the boat. And they, they said to the master, Lord, don't you care? We, we've given up everything to, to follow you, to serve you. We left everything to follow you. And, and don't you care? They're about to perish. Don't you care that we're about to die? Don't you care? It seems that it's all over. And maybe... You're traveling for a season in your life right now. We say, Lord, you, you, you said to me, I'm going to make it across to the other side. I, I, I'm not going under, but, but I'm going, going over. Lord, I don't care the crisis around the world. Yes, I pray for the crisis and for the people, Lord, but I'm not going under, but I'm going over to the other side because you promised me, because you spoke to me, because your word is faithful and true. And while you're praying, while you're believing God, it seems there's opposition. Things that are trying to distract you. Things that are trying to get you off course. Let me say this this morning. We have the same Father. We have the same Savior. We have the same Holy Spirit. We have the same Bible. God does not look for your capability. For the many folks that are more capable than you and I. God seeks for your availability. And when you give God your availability, He will give you the ability to do His will. When you give God your availability, God will give you the ability to do His will. You're not going under. You're going over. He's spoken the word. We're going across to the other side. And maybe in this journey, in this traveling upon the wars of life, you might be saying, Lord, but, but don't you care? Don't you care? It seems like you're asleep. It seems like when I read the Word of God, it seems that the words don't leap out like they used to. And, and when I pray, it seems I don't sense that, that touch and the anointing like maybe once before. Lord, don't you care? They're about to perish. We're about to sink. He does care. And He makes no mistakes. And you have been born in this generation to do something for your God in your generation. That's why you are here. And listen carefully. And you must believe that of all your heart because no one else will believe it for you. That's why it says, as a man thinks in his heart, so shall he or she be. If you're saying, Lord, this is just another year. And nothing much is going to happen. It's just going to be just another year, just an ordinary year. I promise you, nothing special is going to happen for you. But you say, God, this is another year where you can demonstrate your power, your wisdom, your glory. Lord, this is a new day. It's a new month. It's a new day. It's a new year where you can manifest your power. Use my life. Then he will use your life and manifest his power. You see, it's how you perceive life. I can look at, it, at, a, at a challenging situation 
and maybe like a, and say, oh Lord, this is, this is a, an obstacle. It, it, it's a problem. Things are going to get worse. Or I can say, Lord, this can be, Lord, be a stepping stone where you can demonstrate your power, your wisdom, and your glory, where you can flex your muscles and show your glory. You can perceive things as a stumbling block or as a stepping stone. Two prisoners looking out of the prison bars. One said, well, look at the stars. The other one said, well, we'll look at the rust. What are you gauging at this morning? Whatever you focus upon, it magnifies, it grows. Lord, don't you care? We left everything to serve you, to follow you, and now we're about to perish and die. Don't you care? You're, you're asleep. And you might say, Lord, are you asleep? Don't you care? He does. But it could be maybe that season. And it says, he stands up in that boat. He rebukes the wind and the storm. He says, peace, be still. And you are this boat that is traveling upon the sea of this world. And it indwells your life. And if the storm comes, let me say to you, my friends, how can you be more than a conqueror if there's nothing to conquer? How can you be more than an overcomer if there's nothing to overcome? Do you know how you build muscle? You build muscle through resistance. That's how you build muscles. As you lift those weights, they seem to resist against you. But as you do so, that you build muscle through resistance. And God at times will allow certain things, allow certain things to build up that spiritual muscle. But let me say this, the things you and I did five years ago that God allowed in His permissible will, now God says to you, no more. Did you know that? Am I allowed to, am I allowed to walk down here? I ask permission because every place you go, there's a little bit different. They're probably not going to see me now. I should get back up. You can. I might get back. Oh, they're on TV. Oh, that's all right. The things you and I did five years that God may be allowed in His permissible will, now God says to you no more. Because you grow from faith to faith, from holiness, it is the deep calling, the deep. God's desire is to make you a twin to Jesus Christ. When, the, when people see you, they don't see you, they see Christ in you. Lord, don't you care? And the Word of God says that Jesus stood up and rebuke the wind. Let Jesus stand up in this boat of your life, in this vessel of your life, as you travel through the waters of this life. Let him stand up in you and rebuke that storm and rebuke that wind. And you know what he said? He said, peace, be still. But Lord, the doctors said that the things don't look too good. Peace, be still. But Lord, the economy crisis around the world and people losing their jobs and losing their houses. Peace, be still. But Lord, that family situation, peace, be still. Because he is the prince of peace. Be still. But Lord, don't you care? Be still. I got it covered. Let him stand up within thee. 
let Christ stand up within you in this boat of your life to rebuke the storm and say, peace, be still. And we are those boats upon the waters of life. And many people have their anchors deep within the waters. And they're saying, God, use me. They're saying, God, direct me. Which way should I go? Which way do you want me to maneuver in 2009? He's saying, it's time for you now to, to lift up the anchor. But let me say this to you. Forget the anchor. It's time to you to cut the anchor off. Because Jesus Christ is the anchor of your faith. You need no other anchor. You don't have the need to put that anchor down and sort of be floating in the same place and nothing much is really happening. You've got to cut the anchor away. You need to lift up the sails. You need to lift up 2009. You need to lift up your expectation. You need to lift up your faith. You need to lift up your desires. You need to lift up your dreams and visions and hope. You need to lift up your dreams and allow the breeze to captivate the sails of your life. The wind of God's spirit to captivate the sails of your life and to navigate you upon the wars of life to the harbor where there are many souls and fill up the boat with many souls and bring them safely to Father's house. It is time to lift up the anchor, cut off the anchor because he's the anchor of your salvation and lift up your sails, lift up your hope, your faith, your expectation, your dreams. And allow the Spirit of God to capture the sails of your life and lead you on the waters of life. And you'll navigate the rudder. He is the way. He knows the best thing for you. And he'll lead you upon the waters of life. They've been ministering all day to the multitudes. You read that in Mark chapter 11 and also a part in chapter 4. Ministering all day, physically tired, rode virtually all night trying to get over this windstorm. But he said, we're going to get over to the other side where we're not going to sink. We're going over to the other side. We're going to make it. Because he said so. Even though the wind may come and the opposition may come, we're going to make it to the other side. And you might say, Pastor Maurice, I'm about to lose my job. Don't worry about that. Who give you a better job? Another field where you can evangelize to new people. That place may be saturated in us. Time for a change. Glory to God. You're going to get across the other side. And they get across. Now watch this. You might think, well, Lord, thank you for guiding us and, and leading us. And, and we make it across the other side. Because you spoke in the word. And your promise is yes. And amen in Christ Jesus. And we're not going to sink. We're going to go make it across the other side. Even though it seems like maybe you're asleep, but you're not. You're under control. I'm going to allow you to stand up within my life to rebuke the wind, to make you stand, to navigate me upon the waters of life. And you think that's fine. We made it. And watch what it says in chapter 5. Look at this. This is amazing. And they came to the other side of the sea, of the country of and when he, that is Jesus, had come out of the boat, immediately, immediately 
they made him out of the tomb a man of unclean spirits who was dwelling among the tombs. And no one could bind him or with, with chains because he had been bound with chains and shackles and, and the chains were pulled apart by him and the shackles were broken in pieces. Neither could anyone hold him down. Verse 5, And always night and day he was in the mountains, in the tombs, crying, cutting himself down with stones. Listen carefully. This is, there's so much in there, but I'm just going to just touch upon it. They get across to the other side. And they land in a cemetery among dead people. But Lord, you've been ministering all day. We are physically drained. We were nearly died upon the waters and we, we, you were asleep and we thought, don't you care? We left everything to serve you. And we barely make it to the other side. And we end up in a cemetery among dead people. Now watch this. And it says, and he, that's Jesus, and he got out of the boat first. That's very important. There was someone there to meet him. And you'll read that, I believe, as you go down the page, you'll find that in verse 9, the Lord said to him, what is your name? Now, why would Jesus ask him, what is your name? He knows all things. I believe he asked him, what is your name, to show us how many demons can live within a person. He said, what is your name? He said, my name is Legion. Now, back in my forefathers, one legion of Roman soldiers was 6,000 men. One legion of Roman soldiers was 6,000 men. The Lord said, what is your name? He said, my name is Legion. I am possessed by 6,000 demons. That's why the chains couldn't hold him down. He was a man that would scream night and day among the tombs. Now watch this. It says, when they got across to the other side, it says, he, listen carefully, Jesus got out of the boat first. I'll tell you why. If one of the other disciples tried to get out of the boat first, possibly this madman with 6,000 demons could have torn them apart. But Jesus said to you in 2009, I got you covered. I got you covered. I know the way because I am the way. I'll open the right door because I am the right door. I got you covered. You're not, you're not sinking over. You're going to get across to the other side in 2009. Don't worry about the doctor's report, what the bank says or what the news. No, no. I'm going to get you across to the other side. And they get across to the other side. And as Jesus steps out, it says, immediately, this demonized man met him. Immediately. But Jesus came out of the boat first. Don't run ahead of the Lord. Stay behind his shadow. And walk in his footsteps. Don't get too clever. 
and try to get in front of him. And don't even drag your feet too long and be too far behind. Just, just walk in his shadow. Just walk in his steps. Let the shadow of Calvary be upon you. Let me say this to you. If you want to conquer the mountains, you need to come to first to Mount Calvary first. And when you come first to Mount Calvary, you'll conquer every mountain there is. So Jesus steps out of the boat and, and he said, I got you covered. I know the way. I am the way. And the disciples were walking in his footstep. He's got you covered in 2009. He knows the way. He is the way. His plans for your good to get you across to the other side because he said so. Yeah, the wind may come. Yeah, the storm may come. It's the only chance for God to demonstrate his power, his glory, his wisdom within your life. So you have another testimony to tell to someone else what the great things God has done in your life. They arrive at a cemetery. They meet a man. This man, we don't know where he, where he comes from. We know nothing about his family. He's a man with no identity. He has nothing. We don't even know what his name is. And there are many people in this world that are living in a graveyard. This world, that Christ, is a graveyard, a cemetery. People living among dead people with dead ideas, with dead heads. No vision, no dream. People that are cutting themselves down. Be careful. Do not cut yourself down. Do not pull yourself down. Do not discourage, but like the pastor said, speak loudly the things of God. Lift yourself above. It's, it's like an eagle. An eagle is quite amazing. When he sees a storm, he opens up his wings. He finds the hot currents of the earth, which lift him above the storm. And he glides and flies above the storm on his own. Doesn't need a pack of eagles to do that. And when the storm comes, and if it does come, just lift your faith. And lift your expectation and lift your dreams. Let the hot current of God's Spirit to lift you above that storm. He will see you through. Because you're created for greatness. And that's why you are here. Or else you never have been born. This man had no identity. Cutting himself. Pulling himself down. Bound. Living among the dead. There are many folks and many neighbors and some family members that have no real identity. Don't know where they stand. Maybe some believers don't have real identity. Don't know exactly where you stand. Maybe cutting yourself down and pulling yourself down. But he has come to rescue you and I and to set us free. I remember saying this before I believe and I'll say it again. It's worth saying. We live in a galaxy that is called the Milky Way. Our galaxy, if you can make a rocket that can travel the speed of light, light travels around the earth seven times per second. If you can make a rocket that can travel that fast, it'll take you 100 million years to cross our galaxy at that speed that is called the Milky Way. 
they found of the Hubble telescope, there are millions and billions and billions of galaxies in the universe. We're just one of them, called the Milky Way. If you can count every star within our galaxy, now forget the rest. If you can count every star within our galaxy, one star per second. One, two, three, four. If you can count every star within our galaxy, one star per second, it would take you 276,000 years to count every star just in our galaxy. To give you some idea of the greatness of this place that we live in, if you take the sun and the nine planets, our solar system, and pretend that it's the size of a 50 cent piece, and you fly over to Australia, to Ayers Rock, to the desert, and you land in Australia, and take that 50 cent piece, throw it in the sand, Australia is the size of our galaxy, and the 50 cent piece is the size of the sun with the nine planets. That's how big this place is. And it says, he knows every star by? He makes no mistakes. He's precise in what he does. I remember when my wife was expecting Gabriella, our first, first daughter. And I said, doctor, when a husband and wife come together to have a child, so how many seeds are released to fertilize the egg? And he paused for a moment. He said between 385 million to over 600 million seeds are released to fertilize the egg. And only one seed makes it. Potentially in your place, in your pegging order, as a sibling, as a brother and a sister, in your place, potentially 600 million other brothers and sisters could have been born in your place. Potentially the population of America and Europe, potentially combined, give or take with the numbers, potentially 600 million other brothers and sisters could have been born in your place. But out of all those people, He's chosen you by name before the foundation of the world. And He makes no mistakes. He's precise in what He does. And you need to find out the reason why He's chosen you. And it's more than just thinking how great thou art. They get across the other side and they meet this man and he gets set free by the power of God. The next verse says this as I began to wrap this up. The next verse says this in verse 15. Before I read verse 15, let me just say something to you that blew my mind away last year in Easter. Within Heaven's Gates at Pastor Norm Armstrong's church at Penhurst in Sydney was our fourth time back there. And because I, the church was in Sydney, I was able to get there a month early and give their lines in advance. I said, I said, guys and girls, now that you've got your lines, let's be diligent and learn our lines for maximum impact. Let's not, let's not look at the lines the last couple of days, but let's learn the lines so that when we get together, we can really have maximum impact. I said to them, we live in a day and age. I said, that the Lord's return is coming soon. I said, right now in America, they've perfected a microchip. Now, we've been chipping cattle and dogs for years. It's nothing new. Okay? But they perfected this microchip in America 
so it comes in different names. It's called very chip. It's called digital angel. Another name for it is called Mondex, which means mon, monetary, dex, destro. Money in the right hand. Mondex. So we live in a day and age that things are moving quickly. And, and so we could even be the generation that could usher back his return. So let's be diligent in all that we do for the glory of God. When I said that, this man by the, at the age of 47, his name is Elias, who sitting in the front seat. His face went white and all teary. Now he's an older in that church, playing, he's playing the part of Jesus. His face went all white. So Elias said, what's wrong? He said, I can't believe what you're saying. So what are, you, what are you talking about? He said, I'm a dental technician, he said. And I own two practices. I said, okay. He said, I installed the microchip into people's dentures. I said, what are you talking about? Because what he says, if you have a retirement village of 40 people, it's hard, when, when, the, when the nurse sterilized the dentures, if you've got 40 people, that's 80 pieces of dentures sterilized. And it's hard to know whose denture belongs to who. So he said, I installed the microchip. So once it's been sterilized, they can scan the denture and know who the denture belongs to. Plus, in the microchip, it has GPS. So someone will have dementia and go walk about. With the GPS, we can locate where they are. And I modify the denture or make the denture and install the microchip inside the tooth. I said, okay. He said, that's not all. He said, I have a, my colleague, he activates the microchip to make sure it works properly. I said, okay. He said, I asked my colleague, what do you do to activate the microchip to make sure it works properly? Now, this is really important. Listen carefully. You're going to find this interesting. He said, we use a special code. It's a numeric code used all around the world. It's a universal code used all around the world, which activates the microchip. So, for example, if outside you have a machine that is parked outside. Maybe it could be a tractor that belongs to the council. In there, there's a microchip. If it gets stolen, they can locate it with a GPS. So we use a universal, some of your phones have got it too. We use a universal code, he says. He says, well, what's the code that you use? He says, it's a numerical system. I said, okay, well, what is it? So the code we use, that's a universal code that activates a microchip, is triple six. Now he said to him, now why in the world have you chosen triple six? I said, are you trying to make a mockery out of the Christian world like the mark of the beast, six, six, six? Because no, goes, not at all, he says. So then why have we chosen triple six? Listen carefully. He said, we've chosen triple six for its numerical pattern. So what are you talking about? He says, six is the only number in our numerical system that can be used twice. As a six, you turn it upside down, and it becomes a nine. It's the only number that can be used twice is the number six. He says, the microchip has 18-digit codes. Okay, three sixes are 18. It has 18-digit codes. The pin number changes from sixes to nines, which gives you the even numbers and the odd numbers to the 18-digit codes. And the numerical pattern, it says, is endless. There's one for everybody. Now, I'm not saying that's the mark. I'm just saying we're living a day and age that things are moving quite quickly. Amen? We could even maybe be, maybe be the generation the Quraysh back his return. We have 70 teams around the world that are heaven's gates. I know what I'm talking about. We have a global perspective of what takes place every week around the world. So let me conclude. To get across to the other side, 
In verse 15, the man gets set free. And it says this, And they came to Jesus and saw that the man had been demonized, demon-possessed. It was, he was, they had the legions. He was sitting, listen carefully, he was sitting clothed in his right mind. And they were afraid. Just a while ago, he was tearing himself apart to pieces. No one could calm this madman down. A man of no identity, no purpose, no destiny, cutting himself, pulling himself down. He has an encounter with Jesus. And they find him sitting clothed in his right mind. There's something special when you sit in the presence of Jesus. Something happens to you. You become clothed with his presence. You become clothed with his power. You become clothed with his wisdom in your right mind, knowing the mind of Christ, the thoughts of God. When you sit in his presence, something happens. You are clothed with the power of God with your right mind, knowing the wisdom, the purpose. The Bible says, I am the shepherd. He said, you are my sheep, and my sheep know my, not guess my voice, not presume my voice, not maybe, not, Bad luck, which I don't believe neither one, or good luck. They know my voice. But you know, to know someone's voice, it takes time. You spend time with a friend, and you know every gesture of their face and body language before they even speak. Because you spend time with that person. It's the same thing with Jesus. Someone said to me this. They said to me, there's only three types of Christians in this world. Which is interesting. He says, there's a Martha Christian that wants to do, 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 and then ends up doing nothing at all. There's a Mary Christian that wants to be the feet of Jesus and learn and grow and nourish and be changed. And then they send that there's a Lazarus Christian that needs to die to himself, that needs to die to the old man and be resurrected again. Martha Christian, Mary Christian, and a Lazarus Christian. Listen, there's only three voices you'll ever hear. The voice of God, the voice of the enemy, and the voice of your soul. That's about it. That's all it is. Keep it really simple. And they get across the other side. And you would imagine, he said, Lord, let me come with you, he said. So when you preach to the masses, I might get up and give my testimony. Hey, you set me free. And he says, no. He says, return back to your friends and to your loved ones. And he says this in conclusion. He says, Jesus not permitted me, verse 19, verse 20. And they departed and began to proclaim in Decapolis all that Jesus had done for him. And all marvel. Listen carefully. He went to a place called Decapolis. Decapolis in Latin means 10. He went to 10 different cities and became a great evangelist and proclaimed the great things the Lord has done. But Lord, but Lord, but don't you care? In conclusion, let me say this. Jonah went through a storm. His storm was a storm of disobedience. God said, go to Nineveh. 
and tell him to repent. Now, Jonah's name in Hebrew means dove. Dove is symbolic of the Spirit of God. A man that knew God's voice. Instead of going to Nineveh, he went the opposite direction to Tarsus, the Bible says. A storm came as he went in that boat. When he repented, God spoke to him, it says, a second time. Go to Nineveh. And let me say something before I conclude. Nineveh was a city of approximately 120,000 people. For his disobedience, it could have cost the life of that city, potentially. Be careful of our disobedience, because others may pay for it. Jonah went through a storm. It was called a storm of disobedience. He repented. God spoke to him the second. Maybe God needs to speak to us the second time. God spoke to him the second time. Go back to Nineveh. He goes back to Nineveh. And revival comes. Over 120,000 repented. The disciples also went through a storm. The storm of the testing of their faith. We just read it just a while ago. They got across to the other side. In that storm, Jesus spoke. They got across to the other side. This man gets set free, healed, and revival comes to ten cities through his testimony. The apostle Paul in Acts 27 went through a storm. The storm of his testimony. To give his testimony to Caesar in Rome of the great things of God. Listen carefully. This is amazing. In Acts 27, I think in verse 9, the Apostle Paul said, I perceive there's a storm that's about to come. And it says the centurion listened to the words of the owner and the hillsman instead of the words of the Apostle Paul. Let me say something to you. The centurion preferred to listen to the words of the professional instead of the, ver- the, the words of of the prophet. Now it's good to get counsel from the professional, and that's fine. It's good to get some guidance from the professional, and that's fine. But be careful not to abandon the word of the prophet. And a storm came. Because the apostle Paul, now in that boat, this is beautiful. An angel spoke to the apostle Paul. Look at this. In Jonas. In Jonah's boat, a storm came. God spoke to Jonah. He went to Nineveh, revival came. In the disciples' boat, Jesus speaks. They get across the other side. This man gets set free. Revival came to ten cities. In Paul's boat, an angel spoke. God spoke to Jonah. Jesus speaks to the disciples. An angel speaks to the Apostle Paul. A storm came. Because the Apostle Paul was in that boat, 276 people were spared. When you fly that plane, because you're in that plane, now if God has called us home, so be it. But if not, because you're in that plane, that plane is safe because you are there. Because Paul was there, no one person perished. 276 people survived. He spoke to the leader of Malta. He gets healed. Revival came. 
in your storm, stay on course. Revival will come. Don't lose track. Stay on course. He knows the way. Let's just close our eyes and bow our heads before Pastor Mike comes up. I know time has moved on. I thank you for your patience. But if maybe right now in this day, maybe you've never given your heart to Jesus Christ. This day is your day in this new year, in this new month. Say, God, I want to make my peace with you. I give you my life. Forgive me, God, of my sins. I want to be your child. If that is your desire, would you please just raise your hand. Just lift up your hand and say, Lord, here am I. Lord, I give you my life. I give you my broken dreams. Lift your hand if that's your desire. So we can pray. Just raise your hand. Thank you. Someone else, thank you, my friend. Just lift up your hand. Thank you. Thank you. Amen. Or maybe this morning you're saying, God, use my life in this new year. Lord, in these, in these next 11 months, you're saying, God, give me the wisdom. Give me the words. Give me the boldness. Give me the anointing to bring someone to Jesus before the end of this year. Use my life, oh God, to bring someone to Jesus. If that's your desire, would you please just raise your hand. Just lift up your hand. That's beautiful. What a good church you have. Amen. And if you're not well, Jesus is here. The same yesterday, today, and forever. And He's here to touch your body. Amen. So this morning, if you've raised your hand and said, Lord, I, I give you my life. I give you my world. Or maybe this morning, say, God, use my life. I give my life to you. And use me, Lord. Or maybe... You need God to touch, or maybe there's that storm where you want to allow Jesus to say, Peace, be still. I know the way I'll get you across because you're not going under, you're going over to the other side, and revival will come. And if you've raised your hand, would you please stand to your feet? Just please stand if you've raised your hand. Amen. And just come to the front. I'm going to pray this prayer with you. Just leave your seat and come to the front. If you raise your hand, come on. Let's do this right now. I think it's wonderful. Praise God. I'll pray this general prayer because I know time has moved on and then I'll give it to Pastor Mike. And I'm more than happy to stay back and pray with you if you want that. That's not a problem. I'm here to serve you. Thank you, Father. Father, I thank you for your people, for this great house. And for those who pray this morning, God, I give you my life. I give you my world. I give you my dreams. Forgive me my sins. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name, touch them by the power of your word, by the power of your blood, by the power of your spirit. And as we know, you've spoken to Jonah. God spoke to Jonah. And Jesus spoke to the disciples. And, and the angels spoke to the apostle Paul. Lord, you'll speak to us by your spirit and by your word. And I pray for those who said this morning, God, use me. God, send me. Lord, that a portion of your spirit, of your power, of your anointing, of your mantle, of your boldness to bring that soul to Jesus before the end of this year. And for those who are not well, Lord, touch their spirit, soul, and body in Jesus' name. Those things that are birthed in their heart, let it come to pass 
in their lifetime. I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.